Um, so my name's uh, Leah Hampton, and I am a resident here at the Vermont Studio Center. And it's winter, and I am, I think, the only Southern writer here. So in my conversations here with um, a lot of the other writers and painters, um, I've been trying to um, explain where I come from, and somehow that's turned into me writing a short story about Dollywood. Um, which is a theme park that's run by Dolly Parton down in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park, which is very near where I live. And so this is uh, a first draft of a story I've been working on here, um, and it's called Dollywood. And it's about a, um, a local woman who is uh, uh, trying to solve her problems um, by uh, talking to Dolly Parton. So, um, uh, the main character's name is Beth, and uh, she is, uh, well, you'll see. So, Dollywood. This is just the first opening scene of Dollywood. Inside the candy floss pink ticket booth, Mavis, that's what her name tag said, shifted her massive cardigan breasts off the counter and looked out the customer window to see if there was anybody behind us. Now, it's not her usual thing, said Mavis when she decided the coast was clear, but... Beside me, James tensed. I think we both figured it was going to be some kind of sales pitch for Splash Country, the water park nearby. James and I did not want to go to Splash Country. It was November and it was raining. Mavis looked me square in the eye. But Mavis dropped her twang to an emphysemal whisper. Dolly is in the park today. She twitched her mouth and pursed it to the side, satisfied with herself then placed her hands primly on the candy floss windowsill. No shit, I said. Oh, yes, ma'am, said Mavis. Her hands went pat, pat, softly. James, did you hear that? James has these eyebrows that tell you everything. They raised up, a good sign. Well, that might make things interesting, he smirked. Heat tingled up the outside of my neck and into my cheeks. I peered back into the booth and bit my lip. Mavis winked. I think I just peed my pants. Mavis thought that was funny. You go down there to the right. Mavis said it like R-A-H-T. And there's a little theater. Mavis said it like T-H-E-E-A-Y-D-E-R. Along about 2.30, she'll be in there. My breath hitched. James moved in closer beside me until I could feel the warmth of him. Or maybe not the warmth, the ions of him. Electrons. That's how it is with certain people now and then in life. You feel them, even when they're not touching you. Is she? My turn to whisper. Oh, Miss Mavis, is she going to sing? Mavis's face looked like a sack of dough, but I wanted to kiss it. Since I was 13, I have wanted to be Dolly Parton. Or really just be her, just exist for a minute in that cloud of glittery badassness. I don't even like country music. Just Dolly. All that light... She brings light into the world, or did into mine when I was a kid. She's just about the only cheesy thing I can stand. I am not a cheesy person. Mavis was promising me something big here. No, honey, Mavis soothed. It's an industry thing, a theme park conference. It's big wigs and such, park owners. Folks here from as far away as Knott's Berry Farm. She shifted back and rolled herself onto her little stool. I was glad the Dollywood people let Mavis have a stool. She probably got tired standing all day. Mavis looked out the front window of her booth, the one facing into the park. 
I don't reckon Dolly will perform for all those suited-up types. She's just going to open the conference, say hello. Oh, I see. My feet settled back into my shoes. But you never know, Dolly might sing. She knows people like for her to. And now, Mavis leaned forward to console me. Now there will still be music. Some good musicians in the park today on all the corners. James started to shuffle past me. We already had our tickets. He put his hand on me right below my bra strap as he made his way by. Then he turned and gave me a smile. No smirk this time, just a playful, come on already, let's go. So I went. All right, well, thank you so much for telling us, I said to Mavis. Sure thing, 2.30 now. Be at the orange doors. Mavis hopped off her stool and put her happy theme park face on for the next customer, even though there wasn't one. Most of the parking lots were empty when we arrived. She called after us. We're so glad to have you visiting with us here in Dollywood. I'm not obsessed with Dolly Parton or anything. I've only been to Dollywood six times in my whole life, even though I live an hour away. Mostly I just wanted an excuse to be alone with James. He was only here for a few more days and I couldn't get him to myself at the house because Pete kept muscling in and trying to talk science stuff with him. Pete had been super touchy with me all week, too. The whole time James had been staying with us, Pete was all honey this and baby that, like all of a sudden we haven't been married for nine years. It made me itch. We walked forward into the empty entrance gazebo, skipping around the snake of ropes to the one open turnstile. A small, gray-haired man with suspenders and an old-timey mustache took our tickets. Nice stash, James mumbled, one eyebrow raised. Then we swooped out of the gazebo and into the park. James had never been to Dollywood. All the colors and music stopped him cold. It's a lot to take in if it's your first time. Come on, Dorothy, I coaxed. Pull your slippers on. The sky looked like dirty quilt batting, with the mountains brown and spindly around and above us, no leaves left anywhere. The rain was easing off, but we probably picked the dullest, drabbest day to go to such a place. But it's like Dolly made the park so that it would be nice, even in weather like that, because all that color and light she brings came right at us in a friendly way. The soft blue of the kitty play area sat low at the edge of view, and the chirpy pastel windows of the Gospel Music Hall of Fame eased us onto the main road towards the roller coasters. Nothing garish or harsh about it. James got moving soon after the initial shock. We walked to the right until we got to the candy shops. A wide, bright path led, for, led towards the county fair section. Beyond that would be the steam train, the bird sanctuary, the Smoky Mountain River rampage, souvenir shops, and on and on. From where we stood, the layers of the park loomed in blurry, then blurrier layers of neon and noise, one behind the other, getting indistinct and higher, just like the Blue Ridge does on a fine day. Whoa, said James, swaying towards the candy shops. Do you smell that? I nodded and circled back in front of him slowly. Be breezy, I thought. Don't spoil anything. This is the man you love. Nobody knows I love James, of course. I can't breathe it out to anyone. Besides, it's just about the most embarrassing and awful thing to feel, to love somebody you're not married to. But I still thought, this is the man you love to myself down deep. That's what I was doing in Dollywood. I pretended it was a whim, something I just thought of. Three weeks before, I found an old Dollywood souvenir mug at the Methodist thrift store. I bought it for a quarter. This morning after Pete left, I gave James that mug when he said he wanted more coffee. I asked him about his plans, even though I knew them, because I'd looked up his schedule in the department secretary's office. 
I spun and knitted chatter for a few minutes. I kept him laughing, laced a careful snare, and then finally struck. Oh, hey, you know what we should do? And pointed at the mug, with Dolly's face on it and a big chip on one of her boobs. Breezy. I know I just work in the bursar's office, but I'm pretty smart when I want to be. One other thing I know is, even though he doesn't love me, James thinks I'm the funniest person in the world. He always said that. Also, he's not from here, so he liked that I knew about the mountains. James would ask me where to hike and what kind of trees were blooming what in the spring. Most of all, he liked the stories I told about my family. His favorite was about the time my cousin Biggin climbed in the washer at our papa's house when we were kids and got himself stuck. We called him Biggin because he was a foot taller than anyone else we ever knew. I used to love playing with him because he treated me so gentle. Biggin used to always tell me I was dainty. We'd play rock, paper, scissors, and Biggin always let me win, even though he was older than me and knew better. He'd wait for me to count three and flatten my fingers. Then he'd make a meaty fist at the last second and smile out of every part of his face. It took both my hands spread out wide to paper over Biggin's rock. We were eating lunch at the hippie coffee shop by the library when I told James that yarn about Biggin getting stuck in the washer. James laughed so hard he choked on a muffin chunk. There were little bits of muffin on my clothes when I walked out and headed back to my desk, but I didn't mind.